1: This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cattles.
0: It is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cattles. Episode 16, I am back. Thanks to John Zanis for pinch hitting last episode. It was a little bit under the weather. Let's jump right into it, Greg. Some big reinforcements back at practice yesterday. Some good news from the Patriots. You've got Andrews, Mason, Uche, Allen back. What stands out to you the most about that group
1: well number one it's got to be Andrews and look i got a I got make culpa or an admission like look David Andrews, if you're listening and I know that you are because I'm sure you listen to this podcast every week um <laughs> i am uh look I am never ever going to underestimate you again like last year when uh, he had the blood clots I figured um they could figure it out. Uh, I did. I don't know if I really had Ted Karras in mind last year, but that's a separate conversation. Uh, but I thought that they could figure it out and they could muddle through. And maybe they could have if they didn't have uh, a whole lot of different things like bad blocking from, uh, from Mason, from Cannon, from the tight ends. But uh, now this year with David Andrews going out after the second game, I think now we can say, Nick, that, uh, if the Patriots do not have David Andrews at center, um, maybe if they have Tooney there. But if they don't have David Andrews, they can't run the ball. They can't run the ball as well as they need to. And this offense, ha- they have to run the ball to be able to move the ball as an offense. Yep. They just do. I mean, you know, every game since um, since Seattle, everything's been clunky offensively. And uh, it did work okay. The running game against the Raiders—that's a big reason why they won because Cam was not good in that game. But um, they really need Andrews. I mean, his athletic ability, his his ability to uh, help with protections and things like that—it's a key part of this offense. I think that aside from Andrews, I think that um, I think that by getting Byron Cowart back, even though he's Look, do I think he's starter level around the league? No, he's probably a backup uh, interior defensive tackle, but he's certainly better than anything the Patriots have right now. Uh, So I think he's the next most important guy to get back. Plus, he's just coming back from COVID, so hopefully he's ready to go. It's not like an injury thing. Shaq Mason, yes, it's it's somewhat important, but I think we've seen with Michael Wenu that uh, they can be just fine at – at either guard spot or even uh, right tackle probably now with Aluminoor going on IR um without Mason but the, the the thing here Nick that I'm that I'm a bit disturbed about is that so Shaq Mason has missed the last two games one uh he was inactive with an injury and then covid he's still limited in practice with his calf like yeah i mean that's not good um so And I think other people are more worried about Derek Rivers Is Derek Rivers, whether he's active or not. I don't think it's going to make a big difference to the Patriots, but Josh O'Shea is coming back. I don't think he's going to make any impact. I don't know about you, but he was inactive. He was a healthy scratch the first game, then got a foot injury, and that that started his uh, descent onto the IR. Now he's back. I mean, does anybody from watching what we've seen with uh, Asi Asi, any of the rookies really, Duggar, uh, Jennings, Asiasi Keen. I. I. I mean, look. It's. It's become abundantly obvious that Bill Belichick is not going to play any rookies unless they earn it on the field. That he feels good that they can do it from the practice field and bring it to the the game field. A win. Who's really the only rookie that they're trusting at this point? So I don't see why that that would mean Josh Ushay being in there this week against a, a very complicated. And uh, the need for discipline, sort of uh, San Francisco offense. And then, oh, yes. Allen, the legend of the ponytail. He finally. <laughs> <laughs> the ponytail was actually on the field this week. Yes, it, he was actually on the field on Wednesday. We'll see whether he's there today. This is, uh, we're taping this Thursday morning. Um, but, they, yes, they need him. Does anybody think he's just going to become active after not doing anything all offseason and be ready to go? Just so people know, there's a 21 day clock. They started the clock yesterday, so they have three weeks to make a decision on him. So I think that's where they are with the the reinforcements.
0: Yeah, I'm really looking at the offensive line because, like you, I I don't know if you're going to see Uche on Sunday, let alone him having an impact. I don't know what the deal is with Allen. The offensive line, though, I think is critical. We saw this against Denver. They've got to get at least. You know, four of their five guys out there, if not all five. If you look at Anwenu, you know, taking over for Illuminor, I don't know how much you miss in that spot. Probably not a lot, but to have Mason, Andrews, and Tooney in the middle of that offensive line is crucial. But I do think you bring up a good point about the calf of Mason not really looking the same, and also Isaiah Wynn, I think, is dinged up. He's not one hundred percent, yeah. And at times, you can see that play out. We talked about it from the very beginning of the season, Greg. They need, to, they need to run the football. And if they can run the football effectively, this offense can be effective. If they have no run game, they're in trouble. We saw it in the first half yep. against the Raiders. We saw it last week against the Broncos. Let's jump to the other big storyline, of course, in this game. It's Jimmy G. Jimmy G, Jimmy G, Jimmy G. He's back in New England. Uh, your thoughts on Garoppolo?
1: yeah i mean there there are a variety of storylines with this uh the whole uh, mechanisms of the trade um how he's doing in san francisco uh would he we be welcome back here by Belichick should certain things play out in the off season uh you know i guess i guess we should start sort of with um the trade out i just i never understood it at least the timing of it and what they got in return that's the big thing what they got in return I didn't yeah. I didn't understand because how do you go from the off season when Adam Schefter is telling people don't don't people get it they they wouldn't trade him for four first round picks like four
0: four first round four picks. first
1: round picks and you know did I stutter and things like that to <laughs> a second round pick from a team that was you know actually that year they were terrible but then uh, they went to the Super Bowl next year, but a second round pick all of a sudden at the trade deadline after they had just traded Jacoby Brissett earlier in the season. So now they were yeah. left with no quarterbacks. Oh, oh, but they were getting Brian Hoya back. That was the whole key to the whole thing. Like, I mean, come on, what are we doing here? Like, uh, it, it, this was obviously a rush job. There was something else going on, and and I reported this at the time um, that. So basically, what happened was and and I think we've talked about it before with the mechanisms of Brady's exit is that so they get to the uh, i think it was the Atlanta Super Bowl, yeah, it was the Atlanta Super Bowl. they come out of the Atlanta Super Bowl, and that is uh twenty seventeen i think is that is that correct it was the twenties let's see they won it in twenty Help me with my timing here.
0: They won it in 2018 against the Rams, so I think it's 2017. Because they won it in 16. February of 17.
1: Yeah. And so they come out of that, and Brady thinks – everybody thinks Brady's going to get an extension. And he had proved it on the field. Uh, He had basically won the battle against uh, Jimmy G and all that, and – you know, we just figured. So that's that's 2016 coming out of the Atlanta Super Bowl that off season. Yeah, February February of 2017, and um, so they 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 get to that off season. Brady thinks he's going to get an extension. He doesn't get an extension, and Garoppolo is still there. And now he goes through a whole off season of all the Schefter talk and other talk about how there there's no way they're not trading Jimmy G, and Brady. Brady didn't know what the hell was going on. Why don't I have my contract extension? And really, people could say, oh, he was done. Uh, Belichick just was not dedicated to the offense. He never got the weapons. Uh, That's why Brady wanted to leave. Now, why he wanted to leave was he never got the respect he thought he deserved in terms of his contract, which is really, for a player, it tells you your worth to the team. And he just we figured he would get in the contract extension after that super bowl that would basically carry him through the rest of his career and it would make make it no doubt he's the number one quarterback going forward forever jimmy g's going to probably uh they, they would like franchise tag him and trade him that sort of thing sort of like castle and so they they get to that offseason and none of that none of that happens And Jimmy just so to Brady, Brady's looking at it and saying, all right, well, they're not giving me my extension and they're saying they're not trading Jimmy Garoppolo. So what are we? So, so it looks like they're going to, they're going to do something with me. They're going to release me, trade me, whatever. And that's when Brady started to get into Kraft's ear a lot. Yeah. Now I don't. Yeah. But then
0: you had the, the Wickersham thing came out that story. Everybody was talking about it at that time where there was some controversy behind closed doors. Guys were talking to guys trying to figure out what in the world is going to happen.
1: Yeah, and and so the way that I understood it, and, and I reported this at the time, is Brady was in the ear of Kraft saying, like, you know, where's the loyalty? Where's my respect? You know, all that I've done for this franchise, all that I've given up in terms of a contract, and, and you guys are still dicking me around with my contract, and I don't know whether I'm the quarterback here. What's the deal? He's constantly in Kraft's ear. He never... Is from my reporting. He never said Jimmy's got to go. You got to get rid of Jimmy. I was told that that was and and the crafts have pushed back against this. Not to me personally, but they have in general that the crafts, whether they they ordered the code red or implied the code red, basically the edict was down that you need to trade Jimmy and. If, if you're not going to give, basically Kraft was like, well, if Bill's not going to give Tom the contract extension, then I'm going to do what I can to secure t- Tom's future. And so that meant he basically backed Bill, Bill into a corner and he had to trade him. And that trade to San Francisco, this was the negotiations. It was Belichick woke up one day. Actually, it was, no, late at night. He sent Kyle Shanahan a text that said, uh, call me in the morning. He called him the next morning. He said, uh, you want Jimmy for a two? And he's like, well, hang on. Let me get with John Lynch, and I'll get back to you. And they they were stunned. They were they were ready. To, they they thought it was so low they were ready to offer a <laughs> counter to that because they figured Bill would wise up and be like, All right, well, I need more than that. But they were like, yeah. nope, okay, we'll do it, and that's it, and it's done. To me, I don't really care about the mechanisms. And I don't care about the details. The details were – Because I agreed with it, and I don't know where you stand, Nick, but I agreed with, I thought Brady had earned the right at that time to determine when his Patriots career ended, what he did uh, in the Atlanta Super Bowl, what he did in the Eagles Super Bowl. um, After that, Um, I thought that he had earned it, and I thought, all right, fine, you have Garoppolo. I, they did not get enough for him. What they should have done, they should have either traded him the offseason before when his trade height was at its highest, when Schefter is saying not for four first-round picks, then or tag and trade him after the season. And I don't want to hear any of this bull crap that's out there from some Patriots fans that say, well, you couldn't do it because of the salary cap and all that. No, that's a bunch of crap. They could have done it. They easily could have done it. And that's what should have been done. They should have kept Jimmy. They should have tagged him and traded him and then started the process and gotten a real reward for him and and, and then started the rebuilding process.
0: Yeah, I think the whole situation, listen, uh, I'm not big on relitigating stuff that happened three or four years ago, but it is part of the job. When I look at this situation, I agree with you as far as the offseason. I think you've got to trade Jimmy G in that offseason before you get into the season. And then if you do that, you're not kind of up against the wall that Belichick was up against. And you still have Brissett there as
1: the backup. You have Brissett. You're fine.
0: Yep. And you you could have gone into the season with Brady as a starter, Brissett as your backup quarterback, and reap the reward for developing Garoppolo, bring back hopefully at least one first-round pick, if not a couple. I do think they completely botched it. I also think, though, you know, as Brady continued to defy age, I don't necessarily look at Belichick and say, oh, he handled that whole thing wrong with Brady. I understand what you're saying, Greg, about, you know, he earned it, he earned it. We always talk about contracts. It's about what you're going to do, not what you did. And as he kept getting older, I really can't fault Belichick for saying to himself, this is eventually going to run out. Like uh, eventually the guy's 41 years old, 42. Like eventually we're going to see, we've seen this and we know that Belichick is meticulous and knows the history of the game. There's nothing that would tell Belichick that Brady would continue to play at that level, if not at a higher level. So I have a tough time. I think a lot of it is Monday morning quarterbacking, you know, hindsight 2020, you look back and say, Oh, they should have easily gave Brady a three or four year deal. Listen, it's tough to do when you talk about a 40, 41-year-old guy, no matter how great that 41-year-old guy has been. So I I have the biggest issue with Belichick, the timing of trading Jimmy G. I think he should have traded him before that season kicked off, kept Brissett, got as much as he could, and moved the heck on. Let's move on here. Let's talk about Garoppolo on the field. Uh, You know, I I go back, and I said this on late night last night on EEI. I, I go back a couple of weeks ago and I see what Miami did to Garoppolo. Garoppolo had a miserable day against the Dolphins defense a couple of weeks ago. Now, Shanahan will tell you that it was because of the high ankle sprain. Uh, I don't know. I saw a couple of terrible reads by Garoppolo, and I-, I can understand your ankle, but your ankle has nothing to do with you You know, processing what's in front and making a couple of terrible throws, and that's what happened at Jimmy G. I do wonder, Greg, walking into Sunday – I mean, who knows Belichick better? I mean, who knows Garoppolo better than Belichick? Yep. And I, I wonder what Belichick knows about Jimmy G and his weaknesses and what he might do to attack the quarterback on Sunday.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean I think I think you bring up a good point about, you know, Jimmy and how he's played. I just think I think in general. I think that Garoppolo is a is a quarterback. He's one of these quarterbacks who is a product of his surroundings. And right. that he needs a he needs good protection. He needs a he he needs a running game. He needs a good schemer like Sh- Sh- Kyle Shanahan is. And he needs to be on a team with a good defense. He's not going to win a lot of shootouts. So I think he's a he's more of a system quarterback than say a I view the guys who I think are franchise quarterbacks are the type of guys where things can go wrong for the rest of the team, but that quarterback can can basically will the team back by himself, you know, and make plays. And I just – I don't see Garoppolo that way. I think in terms of what I think Bill will use against Jimmy, when I see Jimmy play and sort of what I've observed of him over the years and practices and preseason games, I think that – I think – in certain aspects, he's Jimmy's very tough, but in some, some aspects he is not like he is not afraid to, uh, he has, I think he, cause I, I, I think I did a story at one time. He was a, like a high school linebacker or something like that. So he has that personality. Like we saw him the other day in, in the last game that he played against uh, against the Rams late in the game, he busted out to uh, on a scramble and he had a chance to slide or dive to the side of the defender. And what did he do? He lowered his throwing shoulder into this guy and took a ridiculous pop. Not the pop. smartest
0: thing to do. Oh, my
1: God. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing, Jimmy? And and I have asked about the high ankle sprain. I do think that was a factor against the Dolphins. I don't know if he got shot up for the next game, and maybe he didn't in the first game. Um, but from talking to people around the Patriots, there's, I asked people, I have said, you know, is Jimmy – is Jimmy tough? And, and the response I, I got was, um, or I said, I said, is he soft? And he's like, more. you know, the response I got from a couple different people was more than you would like. And that goes back to the shoulder injury that he had here. A high ankle sprain, I was talking to some people around the NFL. When he had that, I was like, how do you sit out for two weeks with a high ankle sprain when you're a quarterback? Like, I understand high ankle sprains are tough you know, if you're defensive back or receiver or running back, but you're a quarterback, like you just adjust, like you're hurt. and You're like, okay, well, I can't do these things, but I still have a right arm and I still have my mind. Like there's no way that Tom Brady sits out two games with a high ankle sprain. It's just not happening. But Jimmy G did. And then he came back and he played soft. So that, that leads me into with Belichick. I think what he's going to try to do is he's going to try to get, Jimmy sped up somehow, and ideally he'd like to hit him. He, I think he's going to send pressure a lot at Jimmy. I think he's going to bluff pressure a lot to at least get him thinking, uh, speeding up in his mind as far as what's coming. And sort of he wants Jimmy to get to those. And you saw the Kittle touchdown that he threw on Sunday. The pressure's coming. He's throwing. He's spinning away, and that's great. He made a really nice throw to to Kittle, and they scored a touchdown. But I could tell you the Patriots are going to have pressure pressure that sort of inside pressure and then in the back they're going to have coverage because Jimmy throws that pass a lot and I can tell you the Patriots are going to have a robber coverage and they are going to pick off one of those passes at least one of them on Sunday and maybe run it back and I think that's get pressure on Jimmy get him sped up get you know just get him outside of his element and and he has a tough time he's really good with all right we're running the ball really well, which I think is going to be a big problem for the Patriots in this game, stopping the 49ers run. And uh, I feel good with protection, and I'm in my element, and I'm calm, cool, and collected. That's right. when Jimmy's at his best. But you yeah. get him sped up, he could be all over the map. Yeah,
0: I mean, you, you go back to the Super Bowl, right? Yep. And that is the that is the microcosm of Jimmy G. If you, If you're running the football, you get up, you feel pretty good. He's able to play well enough to – keep the lead, and then all of a sudden Kansas City makes their charge back and he's got to go kind of tit for tat against Mahomes and he can't do it. And he he statistically has one of the worst fourth quarters we've ever seen from a quarterback in the Super Bowl because when you ask him, the chips are down, and you ask Garoppolo, hey, carry us to a win, he hasn't done that very often, if at all. So that's the issue. I mean, this is a guy that they asked to throw the football eight or nine times in a playoff game last year. And I think that's by design. They want to run the ball. And that's what I think the key is on Sunday, Greg. We we look at this matchup. You talk about how the Patriots can attack Garoppolo. I think the only way that they can comfortably go after Garoppolo and really put the game on his shoulders is by limiting the run game. And what's going to be fascinating is San Francisco loves the big, fat guys up front. They love imposing their will on defensive fronts. Trent Williams is banged up. He might not play this weekend, which would be good for New England, but they're going to try to establish that run against the front of the Patriots. And that's why I think guys like Cowart, maybe Allen, if he gets off the IR and is ready to play on Sunday, Jawan Bentley, those are the guys that are going to be huge in this game on Sunday. I don't know if the Patriots can play as much nickel and dime as they have yeah. early in this season against San Francisco. If they do that, they could have some big-time issues with that run game and that outside zone scheme.
1: Yeah, to me, Nick, the, the, uh, one of the big factors in the game this weekend is that the 49ers and how beat up they are on, their, uh, on the offensive line. Like Trent Williams, he was in a lot of pain the other day. I don't think he's going to play. That is huge uh, because he's one of the best left tackles in the league. They're uh, already the – the, yeah, yeah, and the big thing is the 49ers are now on their third center already. Like, they're going to play – I think Gross is the only guy unless they move a, a lot of people around. And so that's what I'm talking about with inside pressure. I mean, that that plays right to where the Patriots are. And I think you're right. I think the Patriots look in any game uh, going forward against a team that can put up points. If they can't – if the Patriots can't stop the run and they can't get the team into the, – the, the opponent into long yardage – on third down or second and long. We talked about other, what was that? The Se- Was it the Seattle game where they couldn't get the team into in, in the third downs? Like Seattle only had like seven third downs because the Patriots yeah. just couldn't stop the run. Yep. The Patriots have to stop the run against the 49ers or it makes it much easier for them. And to me, the big matchup is how do the 49ers and the Patriots in the offseason – looked at the 49ers as far as, all right, well, what do we want to look like as an offense going forward? And with the fullback, with the athletic fullback, with Kyle Youssef, uh, they're going to see that on Sunday. And how are they going to address that? When when the 49ers come out in 21 personnel, which is a running back, they're probably not going to have uh, Mozart, but they still have some talent at, at running back. How are they going to dress uh, with the fullback on the field? How are they going to cover him? Like if you go out there and you have Adrian Phillips in the box with a fullback on the field, like they're just going to run the ball and they're going to run it down your throat. Or you put a linebacker out there, and this is the whole thing. You put a linebacker out there, say it's Anthony Jennings, and now all of a sudden uh, set leaks out of the backfield and they got a big play. So how they match up with that 21 personnel – for the 49ers, to me, is a big key in the game, and, and it's, it's something we, we haven't gotten an answer on yet so far in this season.
0: If there's one advantage for the Patriots
1: on Sunday, what do you think it is? Uh, I think it's – well, that's a good question. Um, I want to say that, uh, you know, I think that they're, the, the defensive backs, I think, are going to have an advantage – um, I, I think that, you know, I, I like some of the wide receivers on the 49ers, uh, like, you know, Samuel's really good, but they're really weak behind that. And I think, I think the Patriots are going to, they're going to shut Kittle down. Um, I think they have the matchups. Uh, I, is it going to be Jawan Williams against Kittle? I doubt it. I think, I think we have a chance to see Gilmore on Kittle in this game. Hmm. And I think that's a matchup that they like. I think, you know, Debo is too fast for. Uh, for for uh, uh, for Gilmore, I think that Ayuk is is uh, that would be more of Gilmore speed and possibly we could see that. Um, but outside of that, I don't really worry about the wide receivers, but I do think uh, I think the Patriots will shut down George Kittle. So if you could stop the running game and shut down Kittle and make Garoppolo beat you with the receivers, I think that's advantage Patriots, but we'll have to see.
0: All right, let's jump to the bostonsportsjournal.com member question of the day. Check them out over at BSJ for 11 cents a day on their annual plan. Not only do you get top-notch analysis of all the Boston pro sports, but if you're a Patriots junkie, and you are if you're listening to this, a membership at BSJ gives you access to a ton of video analysis that Bedard does on the coach's film and direct access to him in weekly chats. Uh, Our question of the day in this episode comes from Lee. Uh, so is Cam hesitating to throw receivers open when called for based on the play, or is he not reading the field correctly? The same thing essentially.
1: Okay, so I, I picked out this question because I think it's I think it's a good question, but it's also a good jumping off point as far as the discussion about you know you will hear hear announcers say like all right well he really threw that guy open and and the definition of that is basically the the receiver is quote unquote covered, uh, but. According to the leverage of where the defender is, like say, uh, like for example, the final play against, uh, on Sunday for the, for the Patriots against, would they just play Denver, <laughs> Denver? They're all bleeding in. Uh, so, you know, you have Nikhil Harry coming on that curl and, a lot of people are saying, well, the the cornerback had inside leverage. I don't necessarily agree with that. I thought they were basically he was playing over the top, which is I'm not gonna let him get deep, almost like a cover three, cover four quarters type of look. That's what I think the coverage was. I think he ended up inside leverage. But basically, say that defender was played inside leverage the whole time. You throw him open by throwing to the sideline to where the away right. from the defender. That's throwing a a receiver open, you know, throwing him into an open area of the field. That is throwing a defender open. And, but my issue is not with Cam with that. And I don't really think that's Cam's, uh, that's Cam's forte. Cam is, is more of a see it, throw it guy. And really, he puts it on the receivers. He doesn't throw with great anticipation. Brady doesn't throw with great anticipation. He's more of a see it throw a guy also. With me, it is Cam Newton is not seeing the field correctly. And this is now two games in a row. We talked about it last podcast. It started in the Raiders game. It has come over here where there are players open. He's just not reading the coverages. And I think if if you wanted to look for a connection and where i think the, pay, uh, the we, we will see opponents especially the 49ers coming forward even though the 49ers sort of do their thing they're more the seattle cover 3 we do what we do type of thing um teams are teams that are showing late uh, coverage adjustments and we saw this a ton uh in the last game with denver because you know their defensive coaches are really good so what what they were showing the broncos were they would show different coverage, like say, oh, we're going to be in zone. And then right after the snap, they would change. And that was putting a lot of doubt into Cam's head. And he was just missing receivers where the coverage would dictate, okay, well, they're in this coverage, then I'm going to throw to this guy. And that is just a problem right now for Cam. So that's – that's sort of where I am. He needs to, they need to figure that out. They need to figure out how do they get him better. If teams are going to sh- show late coverage, post-snap coverage adjustments, how is Cam going to handle that a lot better than he has? Because it, it's not sustainable the way it is right now.
0: It's just that the interesting thing to me is this is not a guy who's in a second year, his third year. He's been in the league for what, almost a decade now. And he's had to see these late changes and, and all the stuff that you're describing to us, he's had to see this before. And, listen, he wasn't any great shakes. Uh, You know, again, the the first half of 2018 with North Turner, he was really good from the pocket, and he was completing 67 68% of his passes. Until then, he was never that guy, right? But he was still good enough to win football games. He was still good enough to put up some points. So I don't know what's going on here. I've got to imagine that he's better than what we saw last week. I have to imagine that some of that, not all of it, because we did see some of it in the Vegas game, but some of that is the layoff. Some of that was also bad mechanics. You know, he had Demir Bird open, and, you know, his. if you if you read some of the people and the way they break the game down, and you're one of them, but, you know, his, his lower half was kind of all yep. over the place, and that's how he misses the throw to Bird because he doesn't have enough Uh, just arm strength to get it there without the lower half of the body, which is what provides the power. So I have to imagine that some of what we saw on Sunday was the two-week layoff, the COVID situation, and that he has to be better than what we saw on Sunday. He might not be as good as what we saw against Seattle because Seattle's just bad against the pass, but I don't think he's as bad as we saw against the Broncos. He's probably somewhere in the middle. And I, I do wonder, you know, when do we start, Looking at what he did in 2018, and say, well, what did North Turner do, and will McDaniels do some of that? Has he tried to do some of it? What's the difference here? Because Cam looks healthy to me, so why could he complete 67, 68 percent of his passes in the first half of 2018 with those, you know, slant routes and quick routes and get the ball out of his hands? Why does he do that back in 2018, and now he's just struggling to process? I another, think... pro- another problem could be he's just been banged up, Greg. Right? Yeah. I mean, maybe. Maybe he's been hurt. He's taken a lot of hits. So maybe now in his head, he's kind of overthinking some things and waiting and waiting and waiting for something to develop. I don't know what it is, but I've got to believe he's better than what we saw against Denver. And we always go back to even if he is good, this is a run-first offense. It's as simple as that. Yep. It's You talked about it at the very beginning of the year, Greg. This is a bully ball kind of offense. That's what they have to do. They've got to run the football. If they run the football, that makes Cam even better from the pocket. So if you run the ball, your offensive line is healthy. I think you can still move the ball down the field, and I, I think you can still win games. I'm not writing this team off just yet, but Cam has to be better. That that's obvious, and I do think they need to make a couple of additions.
1: Yeah, they, I got to
0: make something you know better here.
1: And, and, and just real quick on on Cam, I just want to say like you're going get, you're always going to get these um, terrible mechanic throws from camp. It's just occasionally you're going to get him. It's just who he right. is. There was the out to Edelman where he wasn't even close to stepping into the throw against pressure. Um, the bird, I didn't think his mechanics were terrible on the bird play. He just, you know, he just didn't get it out there far enough. And, um, but I think that you're going to get that. And I think the biggest thing is just the lack of practice time. And then this goes, back to the off season and all that. You know with North Turner, he had a full off season. He had OTAs, he had training camp, yep. he had all that stuff. He hasn't had that. And 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 you throw the covid thing into it. He didn't play for 3 weeks and barely practice. It's just not it's just not a good situation. So I think he will be better going forward. He just needs to be better quicker because these next 2 to 4 weeks are going to determine whether the Patriots are a playoff team or not.
0: It's a tough spot. It's a tough spot because, you know, before the season, I said, I'm not going to fully evaluate this offense until about six weeks, seven weeks in. Well, now because of the COVID thing, you could see that as eight or nine weeks in, and that could be too late. It could be too late. this could be, you know, again, it's, it's partially cam. No one's saying that cam, you know, it's all just the circumstances. Cam has had some of those games. He's had those moments in his career, right? So. You know, part of this is absolutely Cam. But as you mentioned, you need better circumstances to make sure that he's being developed within the system. He's getting practice time. They're working with him day-to-day-to-day-to-day. And now that six-week kind of evaluation period that I was going to use to start the regular season, well, now that's been pushed back because of COVID. And so I don't think I'm ready to sit here and tell you that Cam is going to be awful in this offense, good or awesome. Probably until another couple of weeks, He's, he needs a couple more weeks of practice time, yep. and, and he needs to get back into the flow and the rhythm of this thing. Because the first couple of months being in this system, it has not gone according to the plan, which you know is twenty twenty. You know, right, Let's talk could, about the you, game,
1: Nick, real quick. You know, what they could use an opponent to have some COVID troubles that postpones a game, and they get another bye week where they're actually on the field. That's what they could use, but.
0: Oh, they could. They really
1: could. They get that extra week. Yeah. I mean, because again, I, I thought a
0: month and a half, maybe even up to two months, it's going to take this team time. Yep. And we talked about it when they beat Seattle, uh, when they played Seattle and almost beat them. We said, "Wow, they're they're more ahead than we thought they were going to be." Well, now you look back, that's more Seattle than New England, I think. And so you kind of go back to what we were all talking about, which is. Man, with COVID, with no joint practices, with no preseason games, with a new offensive system, with a guy that hasn't played, you know, since week two of, of last season, how are they going to be able to install a package that he's comfortable with? And, and, and you kind of have to go back to that stuff because COVID almost brought them back to, you know, stage one, phase one of this offense. It sucks, but it's the truth. I mean, they were, they were starting to improve. Nikhil Harry was starting to improve. The chemistry was building a little bit. I'm not going to say they were going to be great, but it was building, and then boom, the COVID thing hits, and it just stopped any kind of momentum for two weeks, literally. So I think we've got to keep the big picture in mind, even though it's really tough because we're paid to take snapshots. Uh, so Sunday's game, the Patriots open is a minus five, which is interesting. <laughs> they are now a minus two. Uh, what do you think happens?
1: I do think it's going to be close. I think, I think that the 49ers' injury problems, I think we're – What's funny is I think we're looking at two similar teams, even though, you know, the, the, the 49ers have had just a ton of injuries on the defense. No Bosa, no, you know, the whole defensive line has been decimated with injuries. Um, nobody's going to feel sorry for you in the National Football League. But as far as the offenses, yep. I look, you know, very similar that uh, I, I think they've had a lot of injuries that affect both teams need to run the ball. Um yeah, you know, I so I think it's gonna be very close. I don't think either team's gonna be highly efficient in what they do. Um I think we're gonna come out of this and be like, man, the Broncos played really well um that that last weekend uh and, and might be momentarily better than these either of these teams. But I think I I do like the Niners in this game. I think that this is the type of game where Kyle Shanahan Probably spent all of uh, quarantine. Probably game planning for this. Uh, I think he has a lot of pent up stuff from the Super Bowl, and also you, you know he's connected to McVeigh and the Rams Super Bowl. Uh, I think there's I think there's a real competition there between the two teams. I also don't know uh, how much Belichick wants to uh, pummel Jimmy. I think he thinks a lot of Jimmy, and there'll be uh, some respect. I do think obviously he wants to win the game but in the end i think i think the 49ers win i think it's very close i think it's three points or less but uh, i am going with the 49ers this week and i but i think the patriots will get the best of the bills again the following week so i don't think it's uh, it's crisis time yet in new england
0: i've got uh, san francisco 23-17 i think they'll be able to run the football on the patriots that's going to be a problem And again, I just think the Patriots, they're a little bit behind because of COVID. And, you know, they might have to wait until next week to see that offense truly find itself or start to find itself once again. I think that knocked them off the path for a little while. And I think, San Fran, I agree with you about Shanahan. I think he's really good at what he does. He's going to scheme this game up. So I think the uh, 49ers win 23-17. We'll see if we're wrong or if we're right early on next week. Of course, that would be episode 17. This was episode 16 of the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles. Everybody have a good weekend. Be safe, be healthy, and we'll catch up with you as we recap the 49ers and Patriots early next week.